John 3. I uh, get the privilege of speaking three of the next five Sundays, and so I'm going to do something probably, if you read through the Gospels, one of the things I love is you see the story of Jesus, and you see Jesus interacting with people. It's, it's, it's about Jesus in relationship, and specifically as you go through the Gospel of John, you see Jesus in relationship. And so at least three of the next five Sundays, I'm just going to pull out a story of Jesus encountering someone within the Gospels. And if you see it, there are plenty of stories through the gospel where Jesus is going to call, and he'll call him, he'll call you, he'll call the disciple, he'll, he'll call an individual to follow him, to pursue him, to come after the things of the kingdom. And you see people respond, and you see some who are willing to give up everything, do everything to follow Jesus. And you see others who, the same calling to follow him, not willing to give up, whatever it might be. And so we're going to look at, at some stories of people who have encountered Jesus. Uh, this story today is a guy by the name of Nicodemus, and it's in John chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, you can turn uh, to John chapter 3. I'm going to go ahead and uh, pray to start us out. God, uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you uh, for this story of Nicodemus. Uh, God, we can see someone encountering you. And God, as we, we read through the Gospels and we see these different stories uh, God, there's a, a lesson in each and every one of them for us. And God, as you called the first disciples and as you called uh, these individuals to follow you, to pursue you, uh, to chase after the things of the kingdom, God, you're calling us to do the same thing. God, that we would be willing to surrender all, we'd be willing to give up all in pursuit of you. Uh, God, as we look at the story of Nicodemus uh, here in John 3, God, we, we pray that you would cause and stir our hearts uh, to pursue you, and to pursue your kingdom. Uh, God, we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so John chapter 3. There was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. So right away, we begin to see and begin to find out a little bit about who this guy Nicodemus is. And I think it's important to understand who he is. And as we, we see and we read this story, to know kind of his background, to know how he's coming at this thing, I think tells us a lot about this interaction with Nicodemus. So we see right away there was a Pharisee. So Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Now, if you know what a Pharisee is, uh, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit, and some of you, I'm sure, probably know a whole lot more about it than me, but a Pharisee, there was never more than 6,000 Pharisees at one time. Okay, so Nicodemus, right now we, we discover that Nicodemus is a Pharisee. A Pharisee is a teacher of the law. Okay, so it's someone who teaches the Torah, he teaches the Scripture to other people. And so you'll see that most interactions, most of the time we hear and we see and we, we read stories about the Pharisees in the time of Jesus and his interaction with them, they're not, they're not positive, are they? You know, there's not a lot of great things said about the Pharisees. Uh, they tended to be legalistic, uh, probably uh, self-centered, all of these things that we read about the Pharisees. They, they didn't really care so much about the truth of the Scripture, right? But here is a guy, I think, we're going to see that's a little different than the other Pharisees that we interact with. So a Pharisee was a teacher of the law. And if you would read and, and uh, you know, study what the Pharisees did and, and, and what they taught, you would know that any Pharisee had what they called a yoke. Okay, And that's why a Pharisee's yoke was his teaching. It was his teaching of the Torah. 
is teaching, okay, here is the Scripture, but then here is the method in which we carry out the studying and the teaching of this Scripture. So every Pharisee had their own yoke, and that's why you see what Jesus says, that my yoke is easy, right? My burden is light. My yoke is easy because his yoke was unlike any others. It, with most Pharisees, it was about a list of things you had to do, right? Here's the commandments. We'll go through the law of God. We'll study the Torah. And there's all these things that we need to do. So here's the principles and here's the lessons and here's how we carry out these things within the scriptures. And so any Pharisee had their yoke, their teaching, as did Jesus. And so here is Nicodemus, we know a Pharisee, a one who would teach, who would have his own yoke, who would have his own understanding, his own teaching of the Scriptures, and how to carry that truth out. But he, he recognizes something different in Jesus, right? I think he gets a glimpse about Jesus and this yoke, this teaching that Jesus has. So here's a Pharisee, and most of the interactions with the Pharisees not good. But in Nicodemus, we see something different. I think in Nicodemus, we see a man who truly fears God, who truly pursues the things of God, a truly who wants to know the truth. And he sees Jesus. He hears teach, uh, Jesus' teaching. He probably sees Jesus' miracles. And he, and he knows there's something different. And so Nicodemus, a Pharisee, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council, Okay, so he's a Pharisee, and there's never more than 6,000 Pharisees at one time. But beyond being a Pharisee, he is a member of the Sanhedrin. And this would have been about 70 members, right? These were the cream of the crop. These were the top guys. So not only was Nicodemus a Pharisee, he was a member of this Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin. So again, you get a glimpse of who Nicodemus is. He's a teacher of the law. He understands the law. Most, like any other probably Jewish child, he would have studied, he would have memorized the Torah, had that memorized as a young boy. So he knew the Scripture, he taught the Scripture, people would follow him to listen to the Scripture, but he's also a member of the Sanhedrin, member of this Jewish ruling council, probably knew Paul, right? Probably had a relationship with Paul. And so he's a, he's a person who has a position of authority, he has a position of power, he is in a position of knowledge, we're going to see that he's probably in a position of wealth. In the terms of the world, Nicodemus has a lot going on. I'm sure he was well respected, well, well thought of. He, in the world's eyes, had a lot going on. So here he is. A little bit of the background of Nicodemus, a man named Nicodemus who is a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. He came to Jesus at night. Now, I, I always, I, you find that interesting, and we, we uh, called this kind of Nick at night because I think there's some importance and significance, and when I say we, I mean Mike does everything, so uh, there's some significance to, to uh, Nicodemus showing up at night. Now, it's not, I don't think you just want to read and pass by it. So Nicodemus shows up at night. Now, I think there's probably a couple different reasons Nicodemus shows up at night. Now, at this time, Jesus has performed miracles. He's teaching. You can see why Nicodemus is following. And they're hearing his teaching. They're seeing his miracles. And during the day, there are no doubt crowds of people who are following Jesus to hear his words, to see what he might do next. And so there's all kinds of people who are following Jesus. And so if you wanted to have a conversation with Jesus, how easy would that be to do during the day? I'll answer for you. It wouldn't be very easy to do, right? 
There's all kinds of people around. If you want a real conversation with somebody and you want a one-on-one time, it's not going to happen during the day. And so Nicodemus following Jesus, he comes to him at night. I would say probably another reason is that what are the Pharisees' opinion of Jesus at this time? I'll answer for you again. It's not very good, right? It's not positive. These guys, eventually, they want to kill Jesus. They don't like him. They don't, they don't want seeing people, crowds of people follow him and listen to him, so they don't like him. And, and so these, these Pharisees don't have a pleasant view of Jesus, and so to get to Jesus was very difficult. And at the same time, Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council of Sanhedrin, it probably wouldn't have been thought too well of if, if he was discovered that he was going, talking to Jesus, following Jesus, having this conversation with Jesus. So I think there's probably a couple different reasons that he's showing up to Jesus at night. He probably wanted to have this conversation, that he could have a real conversation with Jesus and not just be part of the crowd. And two, he probably didn't want to be discovered. And we'll go on, we'll see at the, in, later in John after Jesus has died, uh, I think John 19 is where it is, it said he became a secret follower of Jesus. So this isn't the only time we discover Nicodemus. And what we can probably gather from Nicodemus is that he's one of these guys that we see, he encounters Jesus, and at least for a time he becomes this secret follower of Jesus. We see in John chapter 7, he comes to the defense of Jesus when Jesus is, is, is before them. He defends Jesus. So Nicodemus shows up more than here. And so what I like, you read these stories and you see these encounters with Jesus. You see some people who choose not to follow some who decide to follow him. And so you can kind of see the progression of Nicodemus, that he has this conversation, but we see him again, that there was this pursuit of Jesus, this following of Jesus from Nicodemus. So he comes to Nicodemus, or he comes to Jesus at night and says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Isn't this cool? He comes to Jesus, and I don't know, it, to me, if I'm encountering Jesus and you have come uh, a conversation with Jesus, what, what's that going to look like? If you have a conversation with Jesus right now, he's in the building, you walk up to him and you can start talking. I like this from Nicodemus because it, it doesn't appear that he has any kind of agenda. It doesn't appear to me, I would come to Jesus, oh, Jesus, teach me, you know, what is this thing, uh, you know, tongues, teach me about healing, you know, hey, Song of Solomon, man, is that all that stuff I can do with my wife, that's cool, you know, tell me more about that, right? I would have all these conversations with Jesus, but he comes, he, he has no agenda. He just comes to sit and to listen, but because he recognizes Jesus as a teacher, he recognizes Jesus as something different than he's discovered before. I think there's so much uh, a lesson to learn. And here's a guy who, you know, knew the Torah. He probably had the me- Torah memorized. He taught it. People followed. They listened to him. He had a yoke. He had all these things. And yet, he comes to Jesus to listen. I don't think we can ever stop learning. And as much as Nicodemus knew, and despite the people who come and listen to him, he knew that there was still more to discover that he didn't know it all. And for all of us, and, you know, uh, we, we go to a church and we're part of a group that, man, we study the Bible, we know the Bible, we dig into the Bible. But, man, there is so much more, isn't it? I, I think of uh, my, my grandfather and 
I, I remember being with him. This is about a, a week before he passed away. We were going through, or it might have been a couple weeks, we were going through the book of Malachi. At this point, he couldn't really talk. But I remember talking with him. We're having a discussion. I told him, hey, I'm, I'm speaking on Malachi this week. And, it, you know, he got excited about it. And he, he pulled out his Bible, really unable to say anything. But he starts pointing at these notes that he had on the book of Malachi. And it was so cool to see because here's a guy who, who had been in the church, who had studied the Bible for, you know, 60, 70 years, however long he had been a Christian. And, and he studied, but what did he continue to do? He continued to study. And he continued to dive in. And we don't know and we don't have it all figured out. And the minute we think we do, well, it probably says something about our pride, right? So there is much more to figure out. There's much more to learn. So I want you to do this. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and tell them you don't have it all figured out yet. All right? Some of you, as a spouse, that's going to be difficult to say, okay, I understand. But you don't. You, we don't have it figured out, do we? And I, and I love this about Nicodemus, because here's a guy, again, in the world's eyes, when the world looks at this guy, here's a guy, hey, he's a rabbi, he's a member of the Sanhedrin, he teaches people the law, he's wealthy, he, well, he, he's got it, in the world's eyes, figured out. See, the Jews believed that, that wealth was a sign of a blessing from God. Okay, so here's Nicodemus, who, who appears, we figure out later, I mean, he's, he's taking Jesus to this tomb. He, he appears he's probably wealthy. He appears he probably has knowledge, people following him. In the world's eyes, man, he's got it figured out. He's got it together. But how refreshing to see, here's a guy, in spite of all those things that he knows, all the accolades, all this he has in the world's eyes, he still comes to Jesus, and he just wants to listen. He just wants to learn. And what a lesson for us. Don't, don't ever think you have it figured out. Don't ever think we, we know enough that we can't just sit and listen and learn. And sit at the feet of Jesus is the, is the best place we can be. You think about Mary. And any time we see Mary and we look at Mary, she's always at the feet of Jesus. Is there a better place to be than that? No better place to be. So don't ever miss that. Don't ever lose that. And so I, I see the story of Nicodemus. Here's a guy, at least in the world's eyes, who has it all. But yet he comes to Jesus just to learn, just to listen. No agenda, nothing. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you. Very truly I tell you. If you read throughout the Gospel of John, you'll see this many times. Very truly I tell you. Here's what we need to know about Jesus. When Jesus speaks, it's the truth. Jesus says, John 14, 6, right, I am the way, the truth and the life. He is the truth. He speaks the truth. The words of Jesus are truth. I don't know how many times I've had discussions with people, and, and so many times they'll, they'll, uh, they'll define what is true in their life based on what they've learned or what they've experienced in their own life. Have you encountered that? Right? And we encounter that so many times in our own life. By, based on what we experience or what we go through, we kind of let that define truth. But here, here is truth. Jesus reminds us of that, that when Jesus speaks, it is truth. As we hear the words of Jesus, it is truth. If you have a moral question in your life, what is truth? It's truth is found in the Word of God. It's found in the words of Jesus. What is truth? If we have a question, a dilemma in our life, and we want to know how to respond, look at the words of Jesus. Look at the teaching of Jesus, because when he speaks, it's truth. Right on? 
See, I, I uh, spoke at uh, junior high camp a couple weeks ago, and so we had a thing. Every time I said right on, they would say it back to me, but that's cool. All right, so very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. Unless you are born again. So Jesus comes to Nicodemus. In the world's eyes, Nicodemus has the knowledge. He has the understanding. He knows what's going on. And Jesus tells him something new. Jesus tells him something that's difficult for him to understand. He says to him, you must be born again. Nicodemus has learned a lot. He studied the Torah. He memorized the Torah. He taught people how to follow the Torah. And yet Jesus is saying, you know what? All those things you know, all those things you thought you knew and you understood, guess what? you got to start over. Start over. Begin again. You're kind of like a little kid that, you know what, you think you know all these things. But the reality is you don't, you don't know anything. And we must be born again. We must start over. And this is what Jesus brings to Nicodemus. You must start over. Like a little kid learning again. I, I think uh, of my sister and, you know, it's been, what, nine years ago when she had her brain aneurysm. And I think of that time in the hospital afterwards and sitting by her bedside, and she couldn't talk, she couldn't read, and she had to learn those things over again. It was kind of a new beginning for her. And she had to go through all those things, two, three months to learn how to do it, and, and longer than that for many other things, to learn it again. And this is what Jesus is telling us. He says, listen, with, with me, you know, you, you had a, a life, right? You, this is a life you live, but, but now with me, when you trust and you follow me, guess what happens? It starts over. It begins again. Here's the reality for all of us. All of us. Every single, and this isn't going to be too much of a shocker to you, but when you were born, you were born physically alive, right? You're with me? You understand that? Not a surprise. You were born physically alive, every single one of us. But here's another truth that we all don't grasp, is that when we were born, we were born spiritually dead. You were born physically alive, but you were born spiritually dead. And what Jesus wants Nicodemus to understand is the same thing he wants us to understand, that at some point in our lives, there must be this new beginning. All of us born spiritually dead, but there must come a point in our life when there is this new birth, when there is this being born again, this, this once that was dead is now made alive. And his words to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus, I, I know you've got all this knowledge. I know people listen and they follow you and they look up to you and they under, they'll listen to your teaching. I, I know that. But, but guess what? Forget about it. You must be born again. You must start over. All born physically alive, but spiritually dead. And the question for Nicodemus is the question for us. At some point in our life, we must make this decision for Jesus to put our hope and our faith and our trust in Jesus. We must be, as Jesus said to Nicodemus, we must be born again, made new, a new life. This is what Jesus offers Nicodemus. It's what he offers us. To be born again is a new life. It's a new family. It's a new kingdom. It's a new purpose. 
He offers all of this to Nicodemus. He offers the same to us, that we would be born again. New life, new family, new purpose, new kingdom, a new God that we serve. We must be born again. Verse 4, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asks. Surely they cannot enter the second time into their mother's womb to be born. He's struggling with it, right? I mean, he doesn't understand the concept. How can be someone be born again? He doesn't understand that we are born physically alive but spiritually dead. Jesus responds, very truly, here he goes again speaking truth, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The, blow, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. This is tough for Nicodemus because, again, in his mind, he is right with God. In his mind, he knows the Scripture, he attempts to follow the Scripture, and there's a list, a list of things to do, right? And he follows it, or he attempts to follow it. And so in his mind, okay, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm wealthy, I'm blessed by God, I'm a Pharisee, I'm a member of the Sanhedrin. You know, he has this heart for God, he thinks he has it all together. But Jesus wants him to know, listen, just because of your background, that's not enough. And the same is true for us, right? Just, just because we show up to church or just because I was born into a family that follows God, that's not enough for me, is it? It's not enough. My background or my family or my church, no, that's enough. That's what Nicodemus was relying on, right? His upbringing, his background, his knowledge, but he missed it. He didn't have it. And he's sitting here with Jesus, and Jesus wants him to understand, listen, it's not about that. It's about me. It's about knowing me. It's about being born again. It's about finding new life in me. I, you know, think of, I grew up in the church. You know, I think I was born in one of the pews over at uh, the old building, very highly likely. Uh, so I grew up in the church. I knew all that. I understood it, you know, right? But it wasn't until I was 15 when I realized for the first time in my life that this had to be a decision for me that had nothing to do with my older brother or my family or anything like that, that, hey, I had, I had to make a decision for me. What am I going to do with Jesus? Because it doesn't matter you born in the church, you grew up in the church, or had all this knowledge. I could have the, the, the Bible memorized front and back. None of that matters if I don't have a relationship with Jesus. It's all about having a relationship. God's a God of relationship. His son Jesus came to have a relationship with you. The Gospels are stories about Jesus in relationship. That's not a religion, it's a relationship. He wants to have that relationship with you. And he wants Nicodemus to understand, listen, you cannot, on the merits of what you've done, you can't. You can't enter the kingdom of God. Only if you are born again. Only by me can you enter the kingdom of God. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. Nicodemus lived in a world where you earn and accomplish God's favor. 
you memorize, you sacrifice. God told him, you know what, everything you thought you knew about earning favor with God, no, (laughs) that's not it. We live in a world that's probably no different, right? We live in a world where we think if we can do this or do that, then, you know, hey, maybe then God will find favor with us. And a world lives like that, but that's not how it is. It's about this relationship with Jesus. Now, this relationship with Jesus should spur us to, to, to make an impact in the world. And I think so many times we, we I think it was uh, Francis Chan, Francis Chan, his book, he, or I don't know, I heard him say it one time, but he was talking about his daughter. He says, you know, if I go tell my daughter to clean her room, you know, she could sit and then she could meet with some friends and they could talk about what it looked like to clean the room and they could discuss it and discuss the theology about cleaning the room. But what am I after? I'm after, I just want her to go clean the room, right? And the same is true for us that, you know, we can study the scriptures, we can know the scriptures and we can get together and we can talk about the scriptures, but what's the goal? The goal is to go out and do it, to live it. Right? And so there's this balance that there's many people in the world today that they'll go out and try to earn favor with God by doing things. And there's so many in the church that they'll sit here and they'll talk about making a difference in the world and then they won't go out and actually do it. And so there's this balance of listening to the word of God and letting it penetrate our hearts and our minds and our souls so then that we go out and we love on people and we make a difference for the kingdom of God and go out and live this truth in a, in a lost and a broken world. That's how we are to live. But Nicodemus sees this, this as a, hey, if I go out and do these things, then I'll earn favor with God. When the reality is, because I have won favor with God through his son Jesus, it motivates me to go out and to love on a lost world. That's how we want to live, is that through Jesus and through what he has done and this new life that we've been given because we've been born again, uh, God has loved me so much that, you know what, I can't help and go and love on the rest of the world. We will be so motivated not by a sense of duty or guilt or earning favor with God, but we want to be so motivated by the gospel of Jesus, by the love of Christ. That's why we're motivated. And Nicodemus, you know, this is hard for him. How can this be? Because in his mind, it's all about do this, do this, and you will get this. And that's not the gospel, is it? The gospel's simple, and Jesus is going to lay it out for him. He's going to give it to him. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, here he goes again, speaking truth. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. Then, how then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? So he gives them the truth, and Nicodemus struggles with it. And, you know, so many times I think the truth can be the truth of what Jesus says. You know, sometimes we can understand it, but sometimes it can be difficult for us to actually live it out and apply it and believe it. You know, I hear this truth all the time. I know Jesus loves me, right? But then we struggle with actually believing that God would love me in spite of my sin, right? I, I, I know I'm forgiven, yet, man, I, I struggle with this that my sin haunts me. And so we hear these truths, but oftentimes we struggle with it. And so Nicodemus, hearing the truth from Jesus here, probably struggling with it because it's contrary to what he knows and what he believes, this truth. Verse 14, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Does Nicodemus know the Scriptures? Yeah, he knows the Scriptures, right? And so Jesus points into a story in Numbers chapter 21. I'll read that story for you really quick so you can know what he's talking about. Numbers chapter 21, here's what's going on. 
Verse 4, they traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go to Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest the miserable food. So here's what's going on, right? God has set them free from captivity in Egypt where they'd been for 400 years. Now they're wandering in the wilderness. God is giving them food, right? This manna from heaven. And yet, what are they doing? They're complaining. They're complaining against God and against what he's given. Verse 6, Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. We'll be happy that God does not work this way. (laughs) Be happy to be on this side of the cross, right? So God sends the venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, and we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us, So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Isn't that crazy? So God sends these venomous snakes. People are being bit. They're dying. And so they come to Moses, all right, Moses, you know, what can you do? What can you do? So God says to Moses, all right, this bronze snake, put it up, and all people got to do is look at it, and they will be healed. And it's a, it's a crazy picture to think about, because here is this, this snake, which represents, you know, death and destruction and the curse. It says, just look at it, and they'll be healed. And what Jesus is pointing, uh, what, what God was pointing him to then is this picture of what Jesus is. And Jesus says right here, So the Son of Man, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And you look at this snake, and you you think about Jesus, and Jesus saying, you know what, just like that snake in the wilderness, that people who are bitten, people who are cursed, people who are dying, looked upon it and were healed. Same way with me, Nicodemus. You know what? The curse is going to be on me. Death going to be on me. I'm going to be lifted. I'm going to be on the cross. And you know what? To, to find healing, you know what people need to do? They just need to look upon me. They just need to trust in me. They just need to believe in me. Believe in me. And so Jesus points him to this story in the Old Testament. He says, you know what, Nicodemus? I know you know the scriptures. I know you understand the scriptures. That's me. That's me. And people, as they looked upon the snake and were healed, the same way, if they would look upon me, they could be healed. They look upon me, they could find new life. They could find forgiveness by looking upon him. The snake was lifted up. Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Verse 15, that everyone who believes may have eternal life. Anyone who believes, if you come to Christ, you have new life. You have a new king. You have a new kingdom. You have a new family. See, Nicodemus wanted to inherit the kingdom of God. He wanted to do things to inherit the kingdom of God. And Jesus was simple. Listen, if you want to know the kingdom, if you want to be in the kingdom, guess what you got to do? You got to know the king. You want to be in the kingdom, you have to know the king. And it's that simple. 
It's not like Nicodemus where, hey, if you do this or that or accomplish this, then you've got it. But it's simple. Know the king. Be in relationship with the king. And who is the king? The king is Jesus. Right on? Thank you. That was excellent. Right on. The king. You want to be in the kingdom, you must know the king. Then some of the most famous verses that you've seen at about every football game. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Here it is, Nicodemus. Let me tell you the truth. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You want in the kingdom? You got to know the king. The king is Jesus. And what a thing that God has done for us. What a gift that God has given us. We're going to take the bread and the juice, and we're going to remember this incredible thing that God has done in giving us his son, who took that curse upon him, who took death upon him, who took our sin, our wrongdoing upon him, so that we may have life, so that we could be born again, simply by looking upon Jesus, by trusting in Jesus, by surrendering our lives to him. New life. Isn't that an incredible thing? That God would give his son. I look at my little daughter back there, you know, running around three years old, and I think, man, what, what a thing that a father would give up their child. Isn't that amazing? Now, some of you are nice people, and you're cool and all, but there's no way I'd give up my daughter for you. I mean, no offense. Uh, but there's no way. But imagine if I did. Imagine if I would be willing to do that. Imagine some crazy man walks in here, which isn't all that hard to imagine anymore. And that crazy man demanded that, hey, listen, I'm going to kill you all, or you know what? I'll take that little girl. You have a choice. And I allowed that to happen. What would you do? What would you think of me that I would do that? Wouldn't you have a great love and respect? Wouldn't you tell everybody about me? What about my daughter? You'd, you'd be telling everybody about her. Oh, you got to, I have to tell you this story. I was supposed to be dead. But here's this amazing thing that has happened. Because a father gave up their child. This is what God has done for you. It's what he did for Nicodemus. It's what he did for me. It's what he did for you. He was willing to give up his only son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We don't need more motivation, do we? We don't need to be motivated by to do this or this or have this list of rules. Man, we're motivated because this great God of the universe gave his only son so that I could have new life, so that I could be born again. A new king, a new life, a new kingdom, a new family because of Jesus. So the same thing he says to Nicodemus, he says to us, you must be born again. You must have new life, a new king, a new kingdom. And he calls to you the same way he called to Nicodemus. And the same truth that was true for Nicodemus is true for you. You must be born again. Let's pray. God, we thank you uh, for the story of Nicodemus. And God, uh, so much truth for us to learn. 
God, if we want to be in the kingdom, we've got to know the king. God, help us to seek and know the king, Jesus. God, that we would look upon him, that we would trust him, that we would believe in him, that we would be born again, once spiritually dead, made alive in Jesus. The only way to the kingdom is through the king. And this morning, as we, we take the bread and the juice, we want to remember this incredible thing you've done for us. God, that you would give your only son for us, for us, enemies of you. Romans tells us we were enemies of you. We were opposed to you, and yet you still gave us your son. God, thank you. We want to celebrate you. We want to celebrate your son, Jesus, and that new life and that new birth we have in him. God, help us to know the king. We pray it in the name of Jesus. You know, a cool thing about the story of Nicodemus is we don't know uh, when he put his trust in Christ, but we know that at the end, if you look at the, the very end of the book of John, uh, there's two people that show up when Jesus' body was laid in the tomb, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. And how cool uh, that this is a guy that we could have a conversation with someday, uh, a Pharisee uh, saved by the truth of the gospel. Mm-hmm.